We've got a very interesting story this morning. Uh, In Daniel chapter 2, between the books of Ezekiel and Hosea, we are just last week embarking on a series, Daniel 1 through 6, the kingdom of God and God's true king. The kingdom of God and God's true king. Now, Now look what it says here. Let's get into this story, but we're not just trying to do the story. Let's see the story from the text. Daniel 2.1, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, verse 3, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. Daniel chapter 2, verse 5. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king said, answered in verse, and said, verse 8, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon, what? Be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. But verse 14 says, Then Daniel replied with prudence, and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. 
Now, I do want to ask a favor of you this morning, that in a sense that we, that we buckle up, that we understand that with a passage like this, it does require us, we, we, we do need to read some scripture, we do need to read some of the text as part of the sermon. So even though we've obviously just done that, maybe a third, uh, we've already read the foundational part, but we do need to read some scripture, so I want to make you aware of that. And then, of course, that we would engage with the text. Let's pray together. Pray with me. Oh, Lord, help us now. We bow before you. We dare not rush into your presence with with many words. For you are God in heaven. Lord, we praise you this morning. What a joy it is to be together. The blood-bought, spirit-indwelt church of God. You are God and we are not. All true wisdom dwells with you and not with us. Thank you that Jesus Christ is our wisdom. Thank you that there is a wisdom from above. Lord, would you help us now? Help us, help me in my weakness. Lord, may it be your word and your spirit. Open up Daniel chapter 2 to us as well as your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel chapter 2. Well, there was a boxing match last night, but I'd like to uh, read a very brief story of a boxing match over 60 years ago to you. It was December the 10th of 1958, and a boxing great, I don't know if any of you ever heard this name, but there was a guy named uh, Archie Moore who was a boxing great. He was almost 43 in 1958 on December the 10th, 43 years old. He defended his light heavyweight title against a Canadian named Yvonne Durrell, who was 30. Durrell, the 30-year-old, floored Moore three times in the first round and once in the fifth. But Moore seemed to gain strength as the fight went on, while Durrell, the 30-year-old, tired. In the 11th round, Moore scored his 127th knockout. He simply outlasted his younger opponent. He simply outlasted his younger opponent in 1958. That's from... Uh, that's from Dale Ralph Davis. Here's what he says. Here's what he adds. Listen, listen. He said, and that, and that is the little piece of eschatology or end times. That is the little piece of eschatology that Daniel 1 wants you to get a grip on before you proceed to the rest of the book. Here's what he says. Remember that the servants of God will simply out endure the kingdoms of this age. Remember that the servants of God will simply out-endure the kingdoms of this age. Look with me at the end of Daniel chapter 1 for just a moment. Look there with me at Daniel 1, 17. Verse 17 of Daniel chapter 1. Notice the word of God. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel, notice this, this is important. 
Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, verse 8, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. I doubt there's many uh, diehard boxing aficionados in here this morning, but we all know what boxing is and we can all see the picture of the 43-year-old man who was floored multiple times only to outlast the young buck, the 30-year-old, and to retain his title. And again, as he said, the people of God will simply out-endure the kingdoms of this world. If you see in verse 21 of chapter 1, it almost may seem insignificant. It may seem like a, just a mere historical note. But again, as James has preached before, in verse 21, what does it say? Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Folks, which is to say that Daniel outlasted by a pretty great time King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel and his friends, King Cyrus, that puts Daniel in his 80s. When at the beginning of chapter 1, now he's not in his 80s today, okay, in chapter 2. This is just giving us a foretaste. It's giving us a preview, even here in chapter 1, a preview kind of of the end of the book of Daniel. He's there from the time he was a teenager until the time he was in his 80s. You know, it's hard to believe that uh, when I say November, because I want to talk for just a minute about last November and the presidential election, now you're listening. <laughs> it's hard to believe that when I say November, uh, that, that's just like three weeks away, but I am talking about last November. And in November 2020, of course, we did have a presidential election. It was kind of unique to have that in a you know, COVID year. Of course, still needed to have it. And uh, from that presidential election, of course, between Biden and Trump, the reports came in. And uh, the report was, of course, that Senator Biden, Vice President Biden, then became President-elect Biden. And, of course, as we all know, I'm not speaking any, like, awesome truth here, that in January of this year, uh, after uh, succeeding and kind of taking over, if you will, from President Trump, who had served for four years uh, then President-elect Biden became president. My point here, do I even need to say this, is not to speak about uh, in any way whether the value of one president over another or anything like that or the value of one platform over another. We can absolutely talk about that at another time. But my point here instead is this. I do have a point in saying that. And the point is this, is that Biden is not our savior and Trump was not and is not our Savior. And in this world, kings come, listen to me, in this world, kings come and kings go. Kingdoms come and go. Presidents, countries, countries come and go. There is one kingdom. It is the kingdom of Christ that remains. God rules over all. God rules over all, and his kingdom, 
the kingdom of Christ will never be thwarted. This kingdom is what will be established. This kingdom is what is and what will be forevermore. And so with with that, look with me at Daniel chapter 2. Look with me at Daniel chapter 2. We've already read verses 1 through 16, and now I want to comment on those verses that we've read, which again is verses 1 through 16. My, the first movement, I've got, there's three movements here. Three movements, if you're taking notes. Three headings, okay? The first one is this. That dude is mad. That dude is mad. And this is verses 1 through 16 of chapter 2. And what this is, is Nebuchadnezzar's dream and demand. Two Ds, okay? Nebuchadnezzar's dream and demand. That dude is mad. Look again at verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, hey, we're going to call these today the wise men of Babylon, all right? And the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. Now, in one sense, I'm going to trust that you remember uh, what we read uh, five or 10 minutes ago, verses 1 through 16. Nebuchadnezzar's dream and demand, right? Let me summarize it for you. You've heard of the Message Bible, which is like a paraphrase. Uh, This is my paraphrase. This is my summary. Uh, In case you've forgotten what we read in verses 1 through 16, why why am I saying that dude is mad? Not like crazy in the head, but angry. Here's uh, Here's how I summarize it. And just stay with me because I'm going first from the king and then to his wise man. Tell me the dream and its interpretation. Gladly, gladly, O king, O king, live forever. Tell me the interpretation of the dream. Of course, sir, your majesty, just tell us your dream and the interpretation is coming right up. I'm not joking around. I want the interpretation of the dream and the dream itself. Tell me what I dreamed first. Do you want to die? Oh, absolutely. We'd be glad to help you with that. What did you dream? I will rip you limb from limb. I will burn down your houses. Okay, okay. Yes, we do understand what you have been saying. And to be honest with you, King, it's impossible. And it's unfair. It's not fair, O King. It's not fair. Even though it is not technically impossible, it would take a God to be able to do what you ask. Now I'm really angry. Well, that's my brief paraphrase of the king and his interaction with the wise men. Verse 12, look at verse 12 with me. Because of this, because of what? Because the king had a dream, because he was troubled by his dream, because why was he asking them to do this? Why was he, you got to just, understand, right? He's asking them to give the interpretation, which in one sense they could have done, but he says, I, you have to tell me what I dreamed. 
Well, we can see why they said what they said. In verses 1 through 16, there's a key verse. We're going to start to move quickly, and for each section, there's a key verse. The key verse is verse 11. Look at the key verse, verse 11. This is the wise men, right, who are saying this, the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans. The thing that the king asks is difficult. Translated impossible, right? And no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. You, so let's just not take it. You see, he's saying, I want you to tell me the interpretation, which they did have a lot of books. Like they had a library full of books about dream interpretation. Just tell us your dream and we'll go to our books and see, he said this. That means this is going to happen. And then he said that happened in his dream. And so it's not really, they're not really that magic, right? But they say it would take a God. And the God's dwelling is not with flesh. By the way, in our religion, in Christianity, we do have, of course, a God who took on human flesh. Well, uh, next, the second movement is this. That was verses 1 through 16. That dude is mad. Verse 12 said he was furious. He was angry. I mean, he's a king. He can do what he wants to. If he wants to ask people on threat of death to show him his dream, well, then he can do it, even though it's irrational. Number two, here's number two, verses 17 through 30. Don't kill everybody. Let me talk to the madman. This is verses 17 through 30. Don't, don't, don't kill everybody. Let me talk to the madman. This is when God reveals Nebuchadnezzar's dream. God reveals Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Look with me at verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whose true names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Guys, we've got to have a prayer meeting. This is massively important. So that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Verse 19, the narrator tells us all this in very quick time here. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. The mystery was revealed to Daniel, you see. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Let's come back to verses 20 through 23 because they're actually so important. Let's go to verse 24. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch. You remember who Arioch is, right? He's the captain of the guard. He's the guy who's sent out by King Nebuchadnezzar to fulfill his decree. What was his decree? I'm sick and tired of these useless magicians. Kill them all. Kill them all. That's who Arioch is. He's the executioner, so to speak. Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Remember, I said this section is 17 through 30, verse 25. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. 
the king declared to Daniel, verse 26, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, notice how he starts with a negative. Notice how he starts with, he said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these, O sir. That's my words, of course. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, have you ever heard that phrase, not I, but Christ? I think about that phrase in verse 30, not I, but Christ. But as for me, O king, this mystery has been revealed to me not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known, may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Verses 17 through 30. Hey, don't kill everybody. Let me talk to the madman. God reveals Nebuchadnezzar's dream. There's a key verse for each section, right? Verse 28. Verse 28. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. You know, just start by taking the end of that sentence. We haven't even finished the verse. The end of the middle sentence. God didn't have to do this. Who's? Listen to me. Who's Nebuchadnezzar? Who's Nebuchadnezzar? Well, he's nobody compared to God, but he's an awesome dude. I mean, he is a... In the true sense of the word, he's an awesome dude, but he's also, he's a pagan king. God doesn't have to do this. This is gracious in a sense. God in a dream reveals to King Nebuchadnezzar, kind, listen to me, Daniel chapter two, it's Old Testament, right? It's the Old Testament, but what's going on here is that God revealed to him kind of the history of the world in a sense. He's letting this man way back then See in his dream what will happen in the latter days. In a sense, the history of the world. Friends, do you know that God is perfectly within his rights never to reveal himself to us? It is the prerogative of God not to reveal himself. If that's the case, we are in fact lost. We are in point of fact doomed if God, listen, is not a speaking God. But as Francis Schaeffer has said, he is there and he is not silent. It is the fool, Psalm says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. This is the title of the message this morning. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Verse 28 again, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, or just cut off part of that. There is a God in heaven. Do you feel this in the story? Not just because the story's cool, which the story is cool, but the text. 
The text itself is where we have access to the story. And, and I just want you to, to, to feel this all the more when you draw a line. It's an imaginary line. Draw a line from verse 28 back to verse 11. What does 28 say again? Daniel says, after he began with a negative statement in verse 27, his positive statement in verse 28 is, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Remember the key verse in verse 11? Remember what it said? <laughs> well, how can you ask us this, O king? How can you ask us to show us your dream? That's impossible. No one can show it to the king except the gods. The wisdom of this world is bankrupt. The ideologies of man are, at the end of the day, folly. The only true wisdom is the wisdom of God. The only true wisdom is not necessarily even through memorizing Proverbs and certain key Proverbs, although that's a wonderful thing to do. The only true wisdom comes through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our wisdom. He is our wisdom. And in relationship, in true covenant with God, we are wise. Not because verse 30, right? Remember verse 30, not I, but Christ. Not because anything that we have comes from ourselves, but it comes from God. It comes from God. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Now, I thought it was pretty cool that Pastor Ben was teaching on Wednesday night. 1 Corinthians 2, right, Ben? 1 Corinthians 2, if you were here. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is a New Testament perspective on wisdom. Because one of the things that's going on in Daniel chapter 2 is it's showing the absolute bankrupt nature of the wisdom of this world. There is a sense in which the magicians proved their own ineptness, their incompetency by whining. Here's what Paul says. Listen to this New Testament perspective on wisdom. I read to you briefly from 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. It is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. What more can He say than to you He hath said? He is a God who speaks. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 6-10. through 10. But here's how it's all summed up. Listen, this is how we started the service. 1 Corinthians 1.20. Just, just make a note of this or just, just listen. Where is the one who is wise? 
Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of, the world, of this world? That's precisely what's happening here in Daniel chapter 2. Key verse, verse 28. Look at the third movements, the third heading. The first one was, that dude is mad. And then in the voice of Daniel, don't, don't, don't kill everybody. Let me talk to the madman. As God revealed Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Verse 31 and following. Verse 31 and following, it's as though Daniel says to the king, you're awesome for a little bit longer. You're awesome for just a little bit longer. Look at verse 31. Now, let me say, here we're, here's the payoff, right? Here's we're finally going to see what did he dream? What did he dream? And what is the interpretation? But let me just say, you know what the main focus of Daniel 2 is? It's not the interpretation of the dream. It's not the dream itself, though those things are important. The main point of Daniel chapter 2 is this, is that there is a God who reveals dreams. There is a God in heaven. Listen to verse 31. I'll tell you, I'll tell you your dream. You saw, O king, and behold a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Verse 36, now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory. Is that okay for Daniel to say what he said in verse 37? Don't, don't answer out loud, but, but is that okay, the way he addresses the king? Don't we know the one true king of kings and Lord? It, it is okay. God's okay with that. God's okay with Daniel saying in verse 37, Nebuchadnezzar, without any uh, insincerity, you're the king of kings to whom God, the God of heaven has given the kingdom. If I could just pause real quick, it's, just, it's not a matter of us thinking from, from our life to God. We think of our fathers and God's just a greater version of a good father on earth. That's not how it is. We think of kings on earth and God's a greater version of a good king on earth. God is not like us. He's a different type of king altogether. He's a different, different type of father altogether. He's holy and he's righteous and he's good. This is no problem. He is still God. This actually contributes to his great godness. 38, you're great and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beast of the field and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. 
And there shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron, because iron breaks iron to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. Verse 41. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. Let me tell you what this, what this is saying here. What we've just been reading is Daniel's interpretation of the dream, which he received from where? From God. Not only does he give the interpretation, he's able miraculously to give the dream. What's the dream? Here's the dream. The dream is of, listen, a stone not cut by human hands that destroys a majestic statue. That's the dream. When King Nebuchadnezzar was laying on his bed and he had a, he didn't know if it was a nightmare or a dream, he saw this, uh, this incredible statue. This incredible statue with a head of gold. And among many other things that he saw in his dream, it makes crystal clear that he saw a stone that was cut, not from human hands, not necessarily a significant stone, but cut not with human hands, that first of all attacks the feet of the statue and therefore ultimately destroys and demolishes the whole statue. And so, not to get into it too much, because this is actually not the main focus of Daniel chapter 2, but, but just to be clear, because it's still important, what he saw, what God allowed him to see is, in, in a sense, the history of the world. He said, that statue that you saw, that head of gold, that represents you, Nebuchadnezzar. That represents you. And he says, you're going to pass away. I mean, when I talked about Trump and Biden earlier on, that's actually just a minuscule example. Those are, that's a drop in the bucket example in the course of human history. We're not just talking about presidents here and now that we're most aware of. We're talking about countries. We live in a fairly young country compared to the rest of the world, especially Europe and those older countries. But we already, I mean, you talk about make America great again. We're already in decay we already need to, to repent and to say we are in a mess. We're talking about the history of the world. We're talking about that God is God and the kingdoms of this world will pass away. Presidents, countries, kings, kingdoms. You're the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar. And oh, by the way, after you, it will be an inferior kingdom, but you will be moved off of the scene. And then after you, there will be another kingdom, the third represented by bronze. And then after you, there will be a fourth kingdom. Who is that? Perhaps it's the Roman Empire. We don't know for sure, but it's probably Babylon, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, and the Roman Empire. Or it's just meant to say the head of gold is you, and then there's this fifth kingdom down here, and nothing else matters because the kingdom of God will ultimately, listen, crush everything in its wake. You say, let me see a flannel graph of Jesus. Let me see a sweet picture of Jesus with long flowing hair. King Jesus is coming again and the nations of this world and the rulers of this world will bow to King Jesus. There is nothing that can stand before his kingdom. There are four pictures on the statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream representing the successive kingdoms of the world. And then there is a fifth kingdom. Oh, this text, listen to me, it screams to us. If we would only read it carefully, it just simply screams to us that God will bring in his kingdom. The kingdom of God comes through a cross. 
kingdom through cross. The kingdom of God will one day be seen to rule over all through God and through his Messiah, Jesus Christ. But the kingdom comes through a cross. Oh, have you, have you, have you bowed the knee to this king? This is the key verse. Stay with me. This is the key verse, verse 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever. When you see verse 44, you see what Nebuchadnezzar should have done. He doesn't respond terribly, but he does not respond sufficiently. May you and I learn from the ultimately bad example of Nebuchadnezzar. It seems like, listen, it seems like he's just glad to know, okay, that's cool. I'm the head of gold. I can live with that. And uh, I've still got a little while in power. But what Daniel's saying to him is it won't be long and you'll be gone, man. You'll be gone. And so he does not repent. He does not repent. Instead, he's thankful that it wasn't a nightmare. This was actually a good dream. He's a pagan. He's not a true God follower. Daniel is a true son of Abraham. Listen to me. Daniel is a true son of Abraham who brings blessing to other peoples where he goes. How does Daniel bring blessing in Daniel 2 as a true son of Abraham? So that the rest of the wise men don't get their heads chopped off. Right? Tell me my dream. You want me to rip you limb from limb? You want me to burn down your houses? I'll give you a reward if you tell me the dream. But if you don't, stop. I can tell the king his dream. Everybody's saved. God is a promise-making and promise-keeping God. He made promises to Abraham that he and his seed, his descendants, would be a blessing. Daniel's a true son of Abraham. What is it so significant about Abraham? Abraham, listen, believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed the gospel was preached in advance to Abraham. He believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's something that's pretty cool is... Matthew chapter 21. As you, as you think about the dream and its interpretation, of the statue, right? There's a statue representing all the kingdoms of the world that are going to come after Nebuchadnezzar. And then there's the stone that we're told twice was cut without human hands. The stone cut without human hands and it comes and it attacks the feet of the statue and therefore the whole thing stumbles. It's, like it's like the chaff on the threshing floor. It's, it's nothing. It's nothing compared to God. Get a big view of God. Read the word. Listen to what Matthew 21 says. It's been pointed out that Jesus also saw himself as the stone. Listen. He asked the people, Jesus asked the people, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom, 
The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Jesus said, Jesus said, the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. He is is the chief cornerstone. This, This stone here represents the kingdom of God and I say it represents also the king of the kingdom of God. You know, when Jesus came proclaiming the gospel, he said, repent and believe in the gospel. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God comes when the king comes and Jesus has come and Jesus is coming again. You're awesome, Nebuchadnezzar. You really are. Verse 37. I'm not flattering you when I tell you verse 37. You are great. That all comes from God. And you're going to die. And your kingdom's not going to last. But there is a kingdom that will. We close. Could you look at me this morning? I said earlier that this kingdom comes through a cross. In the book of Acts chapter 1, the disciples ever, the eager Peter-like type, tell us now, finally, right, Jesus? Now, is the kingdom going to come? Or is it at this time, Acts chapter 1, that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Not for you to know the times or the seasons. The kingdom is going to come in all its fullness. It will be a day of great judgment for those who do not know Christ. But the kingdom has also come already in a way that was not expected because the wisdom of this world is not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Have you bowed the knee to King Jesus? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Repent of your sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Take the example of Nebuchadnezzar and do what he should have done. I was asked a very good question recently by a very serious inquirer. Name a, name a good strength and a, and a weakness that you as one of the leaders of Crossway see in Crossway Church. Name a, name a strength and a weakness. I gave an answer and I thought about that question shortly thereafter and I thought, you know what? I might have given this answer if I would have had more time to think. And it would be something like, oh, may God help us by his grace to grow in prayer and praise. The old hymn says, that wars may cease from pole to pole, from pole to pole, that wars may cease and all be prayer and praise. Not that we would become passive and inactive, not that we would quit going to our jobs, but our number one work is prayer and praise. And from that flows evangelism. From that flows outreach. Our number one work is worship. I read this and I say no more and I close. And it's that passage that we skipped. This is the heart of Daniel chapter 2. Look at verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. 
For you have made known to us the king's matter. Praise be to this God. Let's pray. Lord, as Peter says, help us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we grow in the grace and the knowledge of him who to know him is to know you, to know life. Thank you again that Jesus Christ is our sanctification and our redemption. He is our righteousness. He is our wisdom from God. Oh God, help us. May we see your kingdom. Father, we pray right now, your kingdom come, your will be done. Oh God, your kingdom come. Send us to prayer. Send us to praise. May we behold Jesus Christ, your true King, in whose name we pray. Amen.